BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Claire Mazur. And I'm Erica Cerullo. We're the co-hosts of a podcast called A Thing or Two. It comes out every Monday and the basic premise is this. We share all the stuff we think more people should know about. So that's apps, recipes, books, the nationwide Haagen-Dazs vanilla bean shortage that nobody else was talking about. Our no one. No one. <laughs> our preferred vacuum brands, of which we have multiples, and critical explorations of our unique approaches to paper towel usage. Listen, we think you're going to like it. A lot of people do. And who's to say you'll be any different? Listen and subscribe wherever it is you listen and subscribe to podcasts. everybody and welcome to RealPod. I'm Victoria Garrick, former D1 athlete and mental health and body image advocate. Every Wednesday, I'll be bringing you awesome guests, weekly inspiration, and the realest conversations around everything and anything. Now let's get real. Welcome back to RealPod, everyone. Hope you're having a fantastic start to your day. I hope you are doing well. I am doing well. I'm doing well now. Yesterday, I had the worst, like I'm telling you, the worst period cramp stomach situation that I've ever endured. I think it's this whole, like I went off birth control and now I'm like trying to regulate my hormones. So I haven't really experienced like what a natural period is for me. And it was brutal. And just picture me like laying on the floor of my bathroom in a fetal position. That was probably too much. That was probably too much, but Hey, that is what happened yesterday, but we are better now. Anyways, moving on today's guest is someone I followed on Instagram for a very long time now, probably prematurely because she is a registered dietitian and founder of Kids Eat in Color. It's a community that helps parents help their kids eat better, understand their hunger cues, and essentially maintain their like natural intuitive eating to have healthy relationships with food as they grow up. Her page fascinated me from the moment I saw it. It's at Kids Eat in Color. And I just had to have her on the show because I am so fascinated by this. How do we talk to kids about food, about what they're eating? How do we create a healthy dialogue with food around them and also avoid passing on our own disordered eating habits and beliefs around food? So she is here today and her name is Jennifer Anderson. Jennifer has amassed an online following of over 1.6 million parents and non-parents who love her simplified approach to eating. There is so much good information in this episode, so stay tuned. Before we dive in, I want to give a shout out to new listener NF Jens, who left a five-star review saying, love, I just started this podcast. I love it. It's inspirational. It is helpful and everything about it. I love. I love that. Thank you, NF Jens. I appreciate it. And welcome 
to the show. Any of our new listeners out there, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for joining. Every single week, we're bringing you real conversations that are hopefully going to make you feel supported, inspired, comforted, entertained, all the above. If you have yet to review the show and you want to be the special shout out on next week's episode and also let me know what you think, you can just head over to iTunes and do that. It is a pretty seamless process and also it really helps us out. Don't forget to subscribe to RealPod wherever you listen so you get that automatic download every single Wednesday. And without further ado, let's dive into this episode with Jennifer Anderson. Jennifer, I'm so excited. I know I don't have any kids, but that doesn't stop me from being so enthusiastic about the way we talk about food to young humans because having had body image issues and a previously toxic relationship with food, I'm like so fascinated by what you do. Were you shocked that we're going to have this conversation even though I don't have kids? (laughs) You know, I would love to say that I'm shocked, except there are a lot of people in the Kids Ain't Color community who do not have kids who really want to speak to their own childhood experience. And they really wish they had a language to speak to themselves before things became toxic. And they begin to use that language now and it transforms their life right now. So yes, I'm surprised, but also no, I'm not surprised. That's so interesting to think about how it might be like my inner child. See, I've never really thought about that. You know, when I look at your page, I'm just like trying to learn all that I can so that when I do have kids, which by the way, I think is like years from now. So there's no rush on my end, but I'm always just like, there's, so much to understand. And, but it is interesting to think about how maybe a little part of me is like, oh, it would have been cool to have had this knowledge or been taught this when I was young. Interesting. And you know what, even if you don't have kids and maybe you choose to have kids and maybe you don't, you may interact with kids. You may be, you know, an auntie or an uncle, or I mean, you wouldn't probably be an uncle, but (laughs) you might have kids around you at some time. And you may think, you know, how do I want to be that cool aunt who talks about food in a positive way? Certainly. And it is very different the way that we talk about foods as adults versus the way you talk about kids. I feel fairly confident, like amongst my friends, amongst people my age, I mean, I'd like to think I know how to have a healthy dialogue around food. It is so different with young people because you have to factor in the way that they're developing, the nutrients they're getting. It can't really just be as intuitive as it probably is for me as an adult. And also there's differences. Like I grew up in a household that always had fresh vegetables and fruit around. My mom is a big vegetable eater. So I love vegetables. And I've recently realized, especially with like intuitive eating and that dialogue amongst my community, people just didn't grow up with the access or the ability to have those foods around. And so it shapes the way that they view them, they think about them, how they taste to them. And so that fascinates me as well. Right. There's so much. And, And there's just so much that goes into how do we talk about foods, even if we had an unhealthy relationship with food, and then we come to have a healthy relationship with food there's still language to be used <laughs> for the rest of our lives. How are, how are we going to be speaking about food that may affect other people around us? For example, when we talk about, when I advise parents 
about how to talk to your kids. Cause they're like, well, what should I call a cookie? Should I call it a treat? Should I call it poison? Like, what should I call it? I'm like, well, we have this language and it is, this is a cookie. <laughs> like every food has a word and that's amazing. But as adults, even, even if we've done all sorts of work around this thing, as adults, we're still tempted to say, oh, this is healthy. It's, it's a vegetable or this is a healthy apple or this is an unhealthy cookie. And there's so much language around good food and bad food and unhealthy food and healthy food and the whole black and white thing. And in reality, when we can come back to speaking about food, using the language that we have for food, suddenly we have a much better relationship with food. On that note, you had this really powerful post recently about skinny pop. And I just thought that was so relevant. And would you, can you share for anyone who maybe didn't see that post what that was about? Sure. So my son, last soccer game of the season, you know, somebody brought snack and they brought bags of popcorn, skinny pop. And I'm not one for like bashing brands or anything and all the brands do it, but skinny pop, <laughs> like, why do you have to have the word skinny in there? And we come back to the, come back to the parking lot and, you know, my son reads, and he says, skinny pop. And he kind of sounds it out. Skinny pop. And he says, why does it say skinny pop? Why does it say skinny? And I was so disturbed at that moment. And this almost never happens with me. that I just couldn't say anything. I just let it go. And I was like, you know what? I will come back to this conversation again because it will come up because it's so sad that an eight-year-old and my six-year-old who's right there, they're talking about why a food is associated with the word skinny. It's so sad. It's so sad that we're imposing that upon tiny little children. Are we saying skinny is good? Are we saying fat is bad? Are we saying if you eat this food, you will be skinny? Like, why are we associating a food with a size? Why are we associating a size with a, a morality, like it's complicating their relationship with food from the age that they can read or from the age that somebody else can read to them. We know little girls, three years old, are wanting to lose weight. We know all these things. Is that really true? Three years old? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Three-year-olds three are saying, I'm fat. They're, I mean, they're mimicking what their parents are, are saying. One time in a DM, I had a parent say to me, you know, I was, and I don't know if they were actually a parent, or, or maybe it was a parent and they were talking about their niece. They were at a holiday and the grandfather offered the niece chocolate. And she said, she was three. Oh, I can't eat that. That will make me fat. You know, the research is showing that small kids are wanting to lose weight and they're wanting to be skinnier, which is, I don't really have a word for what that is. I mean, we're setting kids up not for success from the beginning. And so many of us adults just kind of grew up around that. You know, my my family had a eh, semi-decent relationship with food, but there was, you know, still this sort of like, oh, I'm trying to lose weight and I'm doing this to lose weight. And, you know, I grew up in that sort of environment as so many of us did. And, and here we are just passing it on to kids in their sports snacks, skinny pop. And that's why I'm so passionate about this, even prematurely, because I want to be able to raise, like if I were to have a daughter one day, I want her to have a healthy relationship with food. I want to prevent her from experiencing the body shame and 
insecurities that I felt, you know? And so I think like that's the the dream. So do you think it's possible with the correct language and approach to, to do that? And, and I guess to throw you a big alley-oop here to take it wherever you want, how do you raise an intuitive eater? <laughs> Great question. I mean, I think there's a couple things. One, I think that our language as parents, you know, my language as a mom is going to be a lot more <laughs> important to my kids as my language as a dietitian, because my kids don't really care about that. My kids need to hear from me, one of the most influential people in their life, that food has a name and it has a connection to their body. It does something in their body, and I'm going to keep that positive. That in itself, going forward, I'm consistent with that. They're going to hear messages all over the place. They're going to hear messages for their whole life. But I will have had the core messages of them with their most formative years. And that is going to make an impact. Can I make sure that nothing bad happens to them? No, I can't. But that is something that I can do. And it does have an impact. My son, he was five years old. He went to school and somebody told him that chocolate was bad because it had sugar in it. (laughs) So he comes home and he says, he's like, oh, so-and-so said chocolate is bad because it has sugar. And he says to me, but isn't it true that chocolate just does a few things in your body? And what he was alluding to is this conversation that we had had, which is some foods do a lot of things in your body and some foods do a few things in your body. So while broccoli actually does a lot of things in your body and chocolate actually does too, but he didn't quite make that connection. You know, a piece of candy really only does one thing in your body. It really only provides energy. And so without demonizing any foods, you're just describing it. Yeah, candy does this certain thing in your body. Broccoli does these many things in your body. You're not making a moral judgment. You're just describing the reality the physiology, like what is going on. And so he was able to interpret that with his friend and come back and say, he was wrong. It's not that it's bad. It's just that it only does a few things in your body. So I think this sort of, these sorts of important conversations early can help kids make sense of a complicated food world because people are going to say, this is poison. People are going to say, you shouldn't eat that because it'll make you gain weight. People are going to say all sorts of crazy things beginning in preschool. They're going to hear all sorts of things. How are we going to help them make sense of it? And I think having these biological conversations is so important. Now, how to get an intuitive eater? I mean, that's another conversation. But <laughs> Today's episode is sponsored by Macy's. Yep, Macy's. You heard that right. Love a good shopping day at Macy's. Love everything they have to offer. And hear me out. As you guys saw on my Instagram, part of my 2022 vision board goal slash resolution is to improve my personal style. I just want to dress better. I want to put together better outfits. I want to look like I have my style life together. And I really want to be about that. And if you're in the same boat as me, Macy's is here to help because you can either find or rediscover your personal style with one of their personal stylists who can help you find your look for free. Literally, it is as easy as heading over to Macy's.com slash personal stylist to connect with a style expert today. This is great too, because sometimes it seems like working with a stylist or someone in fashion is like so otherworldly and you can't find a stylist, but Macy's is making it so accessible and easy for anyone to work with an expert. Again, that's Macy's.com slash personal stylist, and you can connect 
with a stylist and get expert advice online or in store for your wardrobe, home, and more. There's nothing better than that feeling when you put on an amazing outfit. And Macy's has guides that are going to help you make that happen. You share your personal preferences, your favorite style options, and they're going to give you pro tips and help make it all easier. So head to Macy's.com slash personal stylist today to start working with an expert. If we go surface level on intuitive eating, my baseline imagination right now would be if I had a kid and, you know, they said I'm hungry, I would say, I would say something like, okay, like how hungry are you? Would you like a snack? Would you like a meal? Like help them determine, like, I I don't know if they're hungry and then what they think might feel. Now that I'm talking it through, I'm like, they're not smart enough to do this. Okay. So how do they do it? Okay. I love the way that you're thinking. I love the way you're thinking about this logically. And you're like, I'm not even a parent, but even I know this might not be the best thing. So I want to draw the distinction. There is intuitive eating, which is a system that is used to help people who had a bad relationship with food regain their sense of hunger and fullness, regain a sense of normalcy with food, you know, break down that bad relationship, right? That's intuitive eating. It is a therapeutic process, right? And you've got the book, Intuitive Eating, which is great. That is not what we do with children. Remember, that is like a therapeutic method. With kids, we're not doing some sort of therapeutic method with them. What we are is we are raising them to eat intuitively, as if I want to make your life more complicated, right? So we have intuitive eating, which is a system, and then we have learning to eat intuitively, which is something totally different. Got it. So in like Valley Girl, terms right here for dummies. Basically, you have the the adult me who's relearning how to get in touch with their intuition and their body's needs and wants. And then you have the child who you are trying to foster that from the get-go. So it's never lost. Exactly. That's exactly right. And you know what? The methods are different <laughs> because kids are different than adults. So when we're, we want to help kids do a few things. We want to help preserve their internal hunger and fullness cues. And we also want them to learn to trust their internal feelings. It's kind of like a gut thing. Like we want them to, if something feels scary, we want them to run the other way for safety, right? We also, if they're feeling hungry, we want them to go for some food to take care of themselves. So we want to preserve those sensations and we want to do everything we can to help them know when am I hungry? When am I full, right? Now, in terms of like, what should I be eating? That is not a job for a child. That is the parent's job. So when we come to kids, we think about what is the kid's job and what is the parent's job? The kid's job is to decide whether I'm hungry or full, whether I want to eat or not, and then how much am I going to eat? And that's something that we often have to relearn as adults because we were taught to clean our plate or take two more bites or have you eaten too much? Or, you know, all these things, all these pressures, these emotional things, all these forces have made us lose touch with our hunger and fullness cues. As parents, I, as a parent, I want to preserve that because my kids are born knowing when they're hungry or full. Now there's some complicating factors because, you know, some kids have trouble knowing those sensations, but in general, we want to preserve those. So that's the kid's job. The parent's job is different though. The parent's job is to provide a loving, secure, healthy environment for the child. What that looks like is as a parent, it's my job to make the menu and decide what's going to be in the house. 
What am I going to feed the child? It's actually my job to decide that. Now I may ask my cut, my kid, do you want blueberries or strawberries? Do you want this or that? Right? Okay, that's there. That's that's fine, and you can give small choices like that. But in general, guess what? My child might actually decide to eat marshmallows several times a day for weeks at a time. That's not in my kid's best interest for <laughs> for a lot of reasons. So instead, I might you know incorporate marshmallows from time to time. But in general, I'm going to provide a very diet. The best that I can put together based on my resources, my mental health, like all this stuff. And then I'm going to serve the food to my child. And then the other two things is I decide when food is available and I decide where food is available. So I'm going to make sure my child has a calm eating environment to sit down at either sit down on the floor or sit down at the table. And then I'm also going to have a routine, an eating routine. So that would be three meals and zero to three snacks, depending on our situation. A few interesting pieces of language you use that I want to expand on is menu. And that's something I see a lot on your page, obviously, is that's on the menu or what's on the menu. So can you expand on how that helps you communicate food choices? Sure. So it's, it's kind of one of those things I say, because I know parents know that, but basically it is I'm the parent I'm choosing what to serve when I call it a menu makes a little more formal. You know, we're not just like throwing food at the kids. Oh, sometimes we throw food. At the, I mean, not literally throw food, but sometimes we just you right. know throw food on the table and it is what it is lots of times. But we're also thinking about it. We're thinking, okay, what foods am I going to serve my infant to make sure they meet their iron requirements or make sure they meet their vitamin D requirements? How am I going to make that happen? It's so important. If I have a toddler, how am I going to make sure they're not drinking too much milk? and that it interferes with the nutrition. There are some real nutrition issues to care about with kids. And then at the same time, you know, as a parent, you know, I got to balance all these things, but it's my job to decide what's on the menu. And if my kids are like, hey, I don't like this meal, you say, well, this is what's on the menu. (laughs) And you don't have to eat it because that's always your choice. And, you know, you can wait and then we're going to have snack in two hours or three hours and then you can eat then. I have so many things flying through my mind right now. I'm all over the place. I'm like taking notes. Okay. As you speak about this, I can't help but think about the amount of effort and thought and care is going into what the child is eating. And I say the child instead of my child or your child, because you know, don't have one. But <laughs> what about, I mean, let's be real. And I know you are, you are down for this as well. Cause I'm, you know, a big fan of your work. When you just, all you have to eat is the Cheerios or the Snickers bar or the Taco Bell that we're driving by because we got a five hour car ride and, you know, mom or dad or parent didn't plan the dinner. So what's the balance there? So I think this is always tricky because as a mom who had depression, I am very in touch with capacity. I also grew up in a family, we had a poverty level income. I'm also very in touch with what food do you actually have? access to? What can you afford? What is available to you? So I think all these things come into play, but, you know, at the end of the day, you have to get something on the table. And I think, you know, we go through seasons, right? There may be a season where you're eating the Taco Bell on the side of the road, like several times a week, or maybe every day. And that is the best for you in that moment, because that's what works based on your capacity. There may be other times where you've planned ahead and you're 
you know, you're in a place where you have more capacity to put energy toward eating and toward feeding your family. And, you know, this doesn't just apply to families. It really applies to anybody who's eating where you're saying, oh, I have some time and money and resources to put into this. I can put together some easy meals. And that's why we have like, I put together a meal plan for myself because I have had, you know, depression off and on for years with my kid. Well, not with my kids, but like since I've had kids and it is so much to meal plan. And so I put together my own meal plan, right? It's like simple, basic plan. So I don't have to think about it. That is something that I actually still use today, although I've given it a name and it's called Real Easy Weekdays. But like that is what I use when I'm in a good but not like amazing place, right? I don't have to think about it, but I have a plan and it's a balanced menu and it feeds my kids and all that. But what's a bad time for me? I'm feeding my kids Cheerios for dinner, you know, which honestly isn't a balanced meal, but sometimes that's the best I have. Being patient with ourselves in various seasons is very important. We don't have to try to take on like gourmet cooking or everything needs to be fresh. Like frozen vegetables are as good as fresh, (laughs) like things like that, you know? For sure. And something else that I'm thinking of now is while there's this focus on protecting the hunger cues and kind of protecting the natural intuition that a baby's born with, there's also another piece of the work, which I would imagine is preventative, preventing the eating disorder, preventing the toxic messaging, preventing the unattainable beauty standard. How do you navigate that? And what are like your main themes of advice slash direction in that department? Because that's something I fear. I'm like already fearing my future daughter having body image beauty standard issues. Right. Which is, I feel like there are some genetic components to all of this stuff. Right. So (laughs) it's anxiety provoking. And we're like, oh my gosh, like I had this and my kid might have that. I think we need to stay in the present moment though. (laughs) Me unmarried, no kids. (laughs) (laughs) Like what am I doing now to really solidify my commitment to myself, to my own mental health, the more that we invest in ourselves, the more that we're able to give our kids. And that is really a hard thing, especially for parents, you know, but anybody is like, if you really want to be the best parent for your kid later, invest in your mental health now, invest in a good relationship with your body now. doesn't mean you're not going to mess up your kid because we're human, <laughs> you know? And so there is this element of sadness where we're like, oh my gosh, like I am going to give some things to my kids that aren't going to serve them well. And we just have to kind of come to terms with that when we realize that our kid is saying the thing that we didn't want them to say. But I think there's a couple principles. One is do not talk about your body size in front of your child. Unless you're talking about like, hey, I'm, t- I'm five, five, I'm, you know, three, four, you know, there's some like basic body things you talk about. Don't talk about your weight. Don't talk about, you know, how much you've gained or how much you've lost or anything like that. Just don't weigh yourself. Don't have a scale where your kids can see it. That is a huge thing. Like the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends do not weigh yourself in front of your child. Do not talk about your weight. Do not talk about losing weight in front of your child. These are really important things. And, you know, speak positively about your body. You know, you don't have to say, oh, your arms are so beautiful. (laughs) You can say, oh, look, your strong arm 
helped you throw that ball. I mean, we can, again, going back to that, what is our body doing? What is food doing in my body? Oh, that broccoli is going to be used to build your muscles because it has calcium in it. In it, But that broccoli is going to help your bones. That bone is going to help you grow up tall. You know, these sorts of things where we're just talking about the realities. You know, this chicken is going to help your muscle be bigger so you can throw that ball harder. These are not associating foods with size or foods with beauty standards. A theme of today's episode is getting our mental health in check and improving our personal relationship with others or with food so that we can then help our kids. And I love looking at it that way. I've always been a big advocate for therapy and for seeking help. And that just further emphasizes why it is great to talk to someone. And if you go to betterhelp.com slash realpod, they will assess your needs, whether it's anxiety, depression, relationships, trauma, grief, or family conflicts. And they can match you with your own licensed professional therapist who you can start communicating with in just under 48 hours. I know when I want to talk to someone, I want to talk to them fast. And if you are considering therapy, going to betterhelp.com slash realpod will get you connected with someone in just under two days. That is incredible and can get you the help you need fast. You can also message your counselor at any time and get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions all without having to sit in a waiting room or leave the comfort of your home. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so you can always switch it up if needed. BetterHelp is also more convenient and affordable than in-person therapy and financial aid is making it even more affordable. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. If you want 10% off your first month, you can visit our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash realpod to get that 10% off your first month. Once again, that's betterhelp.com slash realpod. Join over 1 million people who are putting their mental health first. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash realpod. So what about foods that taste different? like different levels of goodness, right? So you can talk about how a chicken is going to help you be stronger, but the ice cream tastes absolutely delicious. So do you advise or is it okay to add color to like sometimes we eat because it's satisfying to have that flavor? I mean, how does that play a role? So we generally, the way that I, and you know, there is no one study that tells you the best way to do this because frankly, this is like a newer problem in society. What's a newer problem? This fascination with like, how do we talk about sugar? (laughs) You know, for most of human history, we've been talking about surviving by eating food. I mean, now suddenly you have this problem that like of eating disorders, like those just haven't always been around. And now they're so prevalent that we need a way to prevent them by talking differently. So the way that I talk about cookies and candy and treats is I just talk about them like, hey, we're having a cookie with dinner. And yeah, my kids get super excited about cookies because they're delicious. I don't need to add to that hype. I just let it be what it is. And the same for ourselves. Like, hey, I'm having a cookie with dinner. Not a big deal. It's just a cookie and we can move on. You know, I often will add a little bit of dessert onto a plate and for dinner or for a snack. My cousin Sarah does that because of you. Oh, has dessert served with dinner. Yeah. And you know what? It's fun. And sometimes the kids eat the dessert first and sometimes they eat it in the middle and sometimes they eat it at the end. But it's just 
levels of playing field. Doesn't mean you always have to do it. It doesn't mean you always have to serve dessert. Sometimes my kids will say, I want dessert. And I'll say, well, we just had it. Or, you know, I want ice cream. I'm like, well, we just had ice cream last night. So we're not going to have it tonight. I don't have to get into anything. <laughs> I don't have to get into anything with that. I don't have to be like, oh, well, we only have dessert two times a week because too much sugar is blah, blah, blah. No, it's just not on the menu tonight. And they know that. And that's the reality they've gotten into that sometimes mommy gives us ice cream and sometimes she says it's not on the menu and that's okay but i don't think we need to say a whole lot to kids at the same time we are modeling balance if we can so my kids know we actually don't have ice cream every night now maybe your family does have ice cream every night and that's fine but mine doesn't so you're modeling kind of what your food culture is in your family and that will be so much more important than anything you ever say. It's what you're actually doing. Now, if you want to like get into language and say, oh, these are vegetables and cookies and candy are play food because they're fun. That's fine too. Play food is a fun word. I just kind of get away from terms of like sometimes foods or red foods or <laughs> there's like all these categorizing systems that people use to like give to children. Like that's a red food. So don't eat it. Oh my gosh. What a nightmare. What a nightmare. It's ice cream. What about, wasn't something like, I think it was like Weight Watchers or something rebranded recently and had the like, oh, for kids. Oh. It was like the, yeah, the red, yellow, green. I was lit literally mortified. I was like, this is not good. <laughs> Weight Watchers bought Herbo. Oh yes. That's what it was. Weight loss app for children. Yeah. That, well, something else. I'm so glad you brought that up. You have a strong stance that children should not be losing weight. Can you please edumacate us right now on that? Absolutely. A child should not be actively trying to lose weight to affect their body size. That is unhealthy on every level. Does that mean that there is never a case ever where that would, you know, be helpful? I, you know, I don't like to make <laughs> like... I don't like to make always statements that much, but I mean, this would have to be quite the exception for me to budge on this line. Teaching a child that their body is not okay and that they need to shrink their body for the sake of their body size is just, I mean, you are like creating a disorder in their mind right now by telling them their body is not okay. I just, there's no way around that. Instead, I mean, let's say you have a child and they went to the pediatrician and the pediatrician observed their growth trajectory and their growth trajectory had sh shifted significantly. They're like, oh, something has changed in this child or this child's environment that they're not really following what we see the genetic curve to be. Like, let's explore this further. You know, there are things that could be going on that can cause a child to gain weight that need further exploration. And sometimes there's a home environment situation that needs further exploration. And so I, I do think that it's well within a pediatrician or a dietitian's realm to say, okay, let's look at the growth charts. Let's see what's there. We can learn a lot. Your child is low on the growth chart. If they're losing percentiles, it's all important. It's all health related. But where they get off is when they get off the health related Thing, and they start to say, oh, well, you're just, quote, overweight or obese or whatever they're calling kids. And they call them all things. And then they say, you need to put your child on a diet. Not all pediatricians say that, but I have had hundreds of parents over the years 
send me DMs that say, my pediatrician told me to put my two-year-old on a diet. My pediatrician told me to put my eight-year-old on a diet. Or even worse, I don't know if it's even worse, but the parents, the people who said, my pediatrician told me to go on a diet and I had eating disorders. I, you know, I, I developed an eating disorder and I still struggle from that moment. Yeah. It's a big issue I think we're running into right now with health professionals promote diet culture, right? And they have, like I've had on some of my friends in the community who are licensed professionals and they're doing amazing work. And some of, not to like hype myself up, but some of you even said that they would rather me and like some other people who really champion a healthy relationship with food communicate how to eat than a literal licensed professional who is so ingrained and came up through diet culture. And then the patient just sees the credential and thinks this person is right. And I think that happens with kids when the pediatrician just says that your kid needs to lose weight. I mean, the parent goes home and that's the doctor's orders. Like, are you going to disobey the doctor? You know, it's hard. And I, I don't want to knock pediatricians. They have so much going on. And uh, so many of them would never say that. Um, but there are a fair number who <laughs> would say that. And yes, you are going to find dietitians and all that. I always like to bring a little bit of nuance to this conversation because there's always exceptions. And there are times when people, adults, might choose to try to lose weight. And I always feel like as adults, you should be allowed to do whatever you want. If you want to try to lose weight, go for it. What I have a bigger problem with is the people are pushing it. Like, oh, you need to lose weight. You need to do this. You need to do that. And, you know, we could get into the pros and cons of like the culture and who is actually deciding what. But I think, you know what? If you're an adult and you really want to lose weight, you can go find somebody. And you know what? I would rather you at least have a dietitian who's going to help you like not really damage yourself. You know, I, I actually know someone recently and truly, and this is, you know, one of the only times where I'm kind of like, yeah, you can see their desire to lose weight is this person has like a joint issue related to their weight. And in largely for the past several decades, I followed more of like, you know, just an intuitive eating kind of style. And now they're like, you know what? I truly believe that the right thing for me at this time in life is to lose weight. You know what? I'm like, you know what? That's you're an adult. You're allowed to do that. Move that to children? Absolutely not. You cannot make that. You cannot subject a child to that. I cannot get behind that. I cannot. Yes. We got into people who are probably thinking, oh, but what if the child is quote unquote fat, is quote unquote overweight, and they they are caught up in this idea that you can visually see the health of a human, right? Which we're all unlearning that health can be attainable at every size. It doesn't mean everyone is healthy at the size that they're at, but it means that we don't know by looking at someone's body. And it's just so many years of unlearning and undoing. And, you know, I guess something else I'm curious to ask you is there are so many amazing people similar to yourself in these new lanes of what I would call self-aware parenting, right? Like how to be really self-aware and communicate things and teach your child boundaries and respect and intuition. At the same time, some of the content I see like on the internet is so far in this new direction. I almost wonder, you know, it's, it, you think about like what the kids are going to be like when they're older, like and are they, are they going to be, then are they going to be in therapy saying, 
Well, my parents were so aware and they taught me like that they're traumatized by the complete opposite. You know, I think about that sometimes. You know what? Like I said, we're humans. We're humans. We're humans. We cannot, we cannot stop from passing our humanity down to our children. There are definitely parents who cause more trauma than others, right? There are some kids who really don't go through trauma and there are some kids who do. And I think, you know, I think we can just do the best we can with the information we have. And, you know, I think in terms of like this balance of there's some things the kids are in charge of, but then there's other things that the parents are really in charge of here. Like, guess what? I'm the parent in my home. I'm going to make some decisions for you because I'm the parent and you're a child. I'm going to take you to the pediatrician. I'm going to bucket you up in your car seat. I'm going to do things so that when you're older, you understand structure and you can take care of yourself and also that you stay alive and stay, right? We help you be healthy and all those things. And I think, I think that is kind of the, I think that's one of the things we have to remember. Yes, we're going to, we're going to try, we're going to do our best and our kids are still going to come out human on the other side, you know, hopefully with a little less therapy, but Right. But there's so many things. And so many of this, so much of this drama kind of does cycle down to the kids. Like, if you look at, like, I feel like the intuitive eating conversation sometimes gets way out of control. I'm just going to let my kid eat whenever. They'll tell me when they're hungry. They'll tell me when they're full. They'll tell me what they want to eat. If that's how you want to live your life, okay. But, you know, what if you have two kids? All right, what if they have different opinions? Like, what? How are you gonna? How are you gonna live your life if you're kind of like, yeah, whatever they want? Thing is, like, kids do need some structure. Physiologically, they need some structure. Like, if you wake your kid up and you feed them, the body begins to understand. Hey, at eight o'clock, I eat breakfast. It gets its digestive juices ready. Your kid becomes more aware. They, you know, all these good things happen when you have like a routine or or a schedule. But you know, it's 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 just really tricky. But some kids don't have that. They don't have the structure. They don't have the healthy environment. And sometimes that's when eating gets out of whack. And so we're blaming kids for like, quote, being overweight. But in reality, you know, there's all sorts of things going on at home. And who knows how food is being used. And so I think it's really tricky for people to just be kind of like, talking about childhood obesity, like it's, it's some sort of like fault of the child, you know, so put the child on a diet. When you only think about weight, your only solution is to change food. When you think about health, you have a whole range of things that you can change. So true. That's so true. I'm learning so much. And I agree with you that whether it's intuitive eating or anything, a lot of times in this world of health, right? And honestly, in the world of health and wellness, and sometimes I hesitate to say health and wellness because even that can feel triggering because, you know, historically it's always been such a toxic, you know, part of society. I really am a fan of absorbing all of the knowledge and all of the information and then evaluating your specific situation and understanding what is going to work for your environment, what's going to work for your family, what's going to work for you, you and your relationship, you with your partner, you know, your personal approach to food. And I think, you know, I would, I hope more and more people can start to maybe feel that way because there is such like 
you know, I just know people who I, I support and I love their work, but sometimes I feel like they are so like, if you diet, you are dead to me. And I'm like, if someone's dieting, they have clearly their own problems. Like, let's approach it with compassion. Let's let them figure it out. You know, they're adults. They can, you know, they can do what they want. I have no patience for the adult putting the child on a diet. But <laughs> yeah. aside from that, I completely agree. And we see this. Oh, my gosh. Like, you're seeing it right now in like, you know, diet, diet culture, getting out of diet culture. We see this in parent feeding practices all the time. Oh my gosh, you have to feed your baby with this right method. You have to wean your baby with this right method. Right now, baby led weaning is all the rage. And so just like you have people who are like, well, if you go on a diet, you're dead to me, right? People are like, oh my gosh, if you use purees, you're dead to me. Like I cannot the mom shaming is next level. And I'm not even a mom. And I just, I come across it all the time. And that's why my team, Kissing Color, me and my family and my team, everybody who gets on my team, like you have to have a no judgment approach. If you come to my site and you're feeding your family, just McDonald's, always, you are welcome. You're welcome here. And if you want to make a change, you're welcome to do that. We can help you make a small change. If you don't want to make a change, you're still welcome here. If you want to do baby led weaning and you're like, hey, this is awesome. Great. You are welcome here. If you want to puree feed your child for any reason, you are totally welcome here and we will support you in that. I think that voice is so needed in whatever space you're in. It's like people should be allowed to be wherever they are on their life journey. You know, you okay, you're on a diet. Well, you know, I will support you. I am here for you. I'm not going to provide you tools to do that, but also I'm going to be here for you. You're totally welcome here. But then when you decide that's not for you and you want to do something else, I can give you the tools for that. You're totally welcome here. I think the more we can embrace nuance in our minds, and so this black and white, we can embrace all the different colors, the more that we see people are doing things for reasons. Like, that person's on a diet for a reason. Maybe they need my support. Maybe they just need some space. Like, I don't know, but they have good reasons for what they're doing. And you know what? That experience may power a totally different lifestyle down the road. Maybe they say, hey, that didn't serve me well. And instead I can now help so many more people because I had that experience. I don't know. I mean, I, I look at you and I think, yeah, you wanted to prevent that experience, but think about how many people you're helping now. So I think the more we can kind of embrace people wherever they are and with whatever tools they need to kind of take the next step, that's where we really support people. That's amazing. I love that. Such a big fan of Kids Eat in Color. And you know what? Just reflecting on our conversation thus far, it can seem very nitty gritty, right? Like like we aren't really diving into the details and these conversations and blah, blah, blah. But it is important and it really can ruin someone's life to have an eating disorder, to not have a healthy relationship with food. And I think my passion for just to keep learning from you comes from wanting to like alleviate this burden from kids. And honestly, you're right with the work that I do now. I don't want any other 24 year old girls to wake up every day. And the only thing on their mind is their food and how they hate their body. Like there's so much more to life when you don't have those thoughts And I think that luxury and freedom is like what I want everyone to experience, you know? 
Yeah, and absolutely, we want our kids to grow up and to live as children, right? We want our 16-year-olds to be out doing whatever they're doing. Maybe they're skateboarding. I have boys, right? So I'm like, maybe they're doing stereotypical boy things, whatever that is. Maybe they're all playing soccer. Maybe they're all doing, I don't know. I don't know what 16-year-olds do right now. (laughs) Not playing video games. We like to pretend we don't know. They're not. But I feel like whether you're playing video games or whether you're out and you're in sports or, or whether you're out with your friends or whatever you're doing, we want our kids by the time they're in their teens to be able to go do their things and have fun. We don't want them to then be like, oh my gosh, and what are we going to have? What are we going to have to eat? Am I going to eat? Or or can I be on this team or can I play with the way that I look? You know, it's just so many it's, things. Yeah. You got to build it in now. Yeah. And then hopefully exactly. by the time they're there, it'll be different. <laughs> exactly. Jennifer, thank you so much. This was such a great conversation. I'm so fired up. Um, you're awesome. So kind. So intelligent. I mean, all the information, it's amazing. And I just really thank you for providing this information for free to so many people, because as we all know, it's very hard to have access to a lot of these resources and these things and these experts. So I just like commend you for your page. It's amazing. I'm always telling people to follow it and I can't wait till the day I get to put it into practice. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Victoria. It's absolutely wonderful to talk to you and thank you so much for your support too. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of RealPod. If this hit home or helped you in some way, send it to a friend, a teammate, roomie, share the love, share the realness. New episodes of RealPod come out every single Wednesday. So make sure you are subscribed to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To leave a rating or review of the show, head to iTunes and let me know what you think. I love hearing from you. Not to mention, you can stay connected with RealPod throughout the week, seeing behind the scenes info and sneak previews of upcoming guests by following the at RealPod account on Instagram. All information about today's show and guests will be linked in the description of this episode. Thanks again for listening. I love you guys so, so much. Let's go dominate the day. And as always, keep it real.